I'm Leah, and it's Old Fashioned Friday. We're talking about Wisconsin's signature cocktail, all the best watering holes, and small-town, big-hearted living. Pull up a chair, and let's get started. Hey, it's Old Fashioned Friday. I'm Leah, and I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. So today's the very first episode of Old Fashioned Friday. Well, it's the first episode of the podcast. Old Fashioned Friday for me started quite a few years ago when my husband and I, on Friday nights after a long work week, would kind of celebrate the fact that we made it through another week with an Old Fashioned or two, and we started calling it Old Fashioned Fridays. Then about a year and a half ago, I started doing little Facebook Lives just for my friends and called it Old Fashioned Friday. It kind of started when we would have people over or bring drinks to a friend's house. It seemed like I would always migrate to making an Old Fashioned. And people were like, oh, I'd love to learn how to make an Old Fashioned. I wish you could teach me sometime. So one Friday afternoon, I hit the Live button on my Facebook, and we've been doing it on and off for about a year and a half. It's been fun trying different recipes and learning about the history of Old Fashions. So we're taking this one step further and starting the podcast for Old Fashioned Friday. I'm so glad that you're here to be a part of it. So here we go. Old Fashioned Friday, Episode 1. So before there was the Old Fashioned, there was the Whiskey Cocktail. The Whiskey Cocktail is kind of the precursor to what we know of today as the Old Fashioned. Some people call the Whiskey Cocktail the grandfather of them all. But when comparing it to today's old-fashioned, particularly the ones of the Wisconsin variety, this strong drink is more of that one great aunt in the family. You know, the one with the mustache and the husky voice. The first official record we have of the whiskey cocktail was in 1862, when a bartender named Jerry Thomas made a recipe book about bartending and mixology. He called it the Bartender's Guide on How to Mix a Drink. So his recipe is three to four dashes of gum syrup, Now, gum syrup might be hard to find, so you could use one half to one bar spoonful of simple syrup. And simple syrup is equal amounts sugar and water boiled together. So you could find that in in any store, or you could make that at home as well. So you take one half to one bar spoonful of simple syrup, a couple dashes of bitters, and then the measurement of whiskey was a wine glass of whiskey, which would be about two ounces, and then a piece of lemon peel. So you fill a cocktail shaker one-third full of fine ice, pour the ingredients in, and shake, and then strain into a fancy wine glass, typically over one large ice cube, and then you would garnish with the lemon peel. Now you could squeeze a little bit of the lemon peel so that the oil bursts out and adds flavor to the drink. And that's it. That's all there is to this cocktail. No cherries, no maraschino cherry juice, no mix, no old-fashioned mix, no water, no soda, it's pretty much straight whiskey. It's a very strong drink. So I think that's why they put one large ice cube in. It's meant to be drunk very slowly while the ice cube melts and gives it time to dilute the liquor a little bit. They're meant to be sipped over time and not slamming it back like we might be doing along with our fish fry. So over time, the bartenders wanted to improve their drinks. Maybe they got a little bored with this and they wanted to get more creative. So that's when they started to add in the fruit, add different kinds of juice, 
pineapple oranges. Some people call it a fruit salad that they added on the top, or sometimes you see mushrooms or olives at garnish. And sometimes a lot of these embellishes were added during prohibition when maybe the liquor that could have been made in somebody's bathtub or basement or back room probably didn't taste very good. So they used a lot of these tricks to improve the taste of the drink and mask the taste of the liquor. But after time, there was a newspaper article written where someone asked, why can't we just go back to the old-fashioned whiskey cocktail? They thought they were putting too much fruit and mucking things up. And they thought, let's go back to the way things were with the simple old-fashioned whiskey cocktail. And that's how the old-fashioned came to be. It was referring back to the original drink, the original version of the whiskey cocktail, the old-fashioned whiskey cocktail. Not the fruity girly thing that we're used to here, especially in Wisconsin. But that's how the old fashioned got its name. And then over time, they changed the glass from a wine glass to a lowball glass or a rocks glass. And how that evolved was due to the muddling of the sugar cube and the bitters and the fruit together. The heavier bottom in the glass was a little bit more substantial and could take the intensity of the muddling. And so that's what we came to know as an old fashioned glass. Now, what I found interesting in some of my reading is that during Prohibition, kind of the artistry of bartending was lost because, you know, everything was done in secret. So when they came out on the other side of Prohibition, people thought that the old-fashioned drink was called that because it was in an old-fashioned glass. They mistakenly thought the drink was named after the glass, but we know that the glass was named after the drink. So I'm sure you've got the ingredients at home. A little simple syrup, some bitters, a nice fine whiskey, and a little bit of ice, and a slice of lemon. So this Friday, I hope you can gather these ingredients, make yourself an old-fashioned whiskey cocktail, sip it slowly, and remember, with nostalgia, a simpler time than these. If you can oblige me for one minute while I talk about my day job. Are you tired of missed deadlines, back and forth emails, scope creep with your creative projects? Projects that go over time and over budget? Well, so am I. I'm tired of it too. That's why as Dear Mountain Media, I offer day-long design summits. I have a proven method to complete your branding package, logo, copywriting project, even your website start to finish in one day. Most of my clients choose this option. One fixed price covers your pre-consultation, your one-day summit, plus I don't just leave you alone with your deliverables. Receive customized training, reminder emails, and personalized videos to help you utilize your new website, style suite, or marketing plan so you don't just have your deliverables, you actually know how to use them. Want to give it a try for your next project? Reach out to me at DearMountainMedia.com and mention that you heard it on the podcast. I'm booking into September and have just a few spots left. I sure hope you're one of them. Next, I wanted to take a few minutes to pay my respects to Jeremiah P. Thomas. Jerry Thomas was the first American bartender to document the recipe for the whiskey cocktail. Now, I'll start off by saying... I owe a deep apology to Jerry Thomas, bartender. 
For the last year and a half, I've been calling him Jeffrey Thomas. The only reason that I can find that I've made this egregious error is my eyesight. My source says Jerry Thomas. My notes say Jerry Thomas. But the first time I mentioned him in one of the videos that I had done, I misread his name as Jeffrey. I committed the error to memory and have continued that error for the last year and a half. So my deepest apologies to Jerry. I promise I will get it right from now on. So Jerry Thomas was born in on October 30th, 1830. We should have a party on that date for his birthday. He owned and operated saloons all around New York City, and he was considered the father of American mixology. Besides being known for writing the first recipe book on cocktails, The Bartender's Guide, Thomas was also known for his creativity and showmanship while preparing the drinks that he developed. Oftentimes he was referred to as Professor Jerry Thomas. Maybe that's what I should do from now on out of respect is refer to him as Professor Jerry Thomas. The first saloon that Thomas opened was below the Barnum American Museum in New York City. That's fascinating, isn't it? I think they left that part out of The Greatest Showman. I think I would have remembered that. That was the first of four saloons that Thomas opened in New York. He did travel all over the country, working at bartender at various hotels and saloons all over the country. He would develop some flashy techniques to mix cocktails, sometimes juggling bottles. He even developed a drink called the Blue Blazer that is made by lighting whiskey on fire and passing it back and forth between two mixing glasses, creating an arc of flame. You think I should try that one? Let me know, what do you think? Despite being well-known and well-paid throughout his life, he did well professionally. The end of his life found him losing most of his money on Wall Street and rendering him broke. He had to sell his saloon and auction off his art collection and he actually died of an apparent stroke at the age of 55. So it looks like he lived a full, impactful life and then died kind of a lonely, untimely death. He died alone in his apartment. He left work early one day because he simply wasn't feeling well. But one thing's for sure, he definitely left a legacy and made a huge impact on the culture in our country. So my deepest respects go out to Professor Jerry Thomas. I promise I'll never get your name wrong again. You know, I ended the first segment talking about nostalgia and a simpler time. And that kind of the old fashioned drink that we make now is very complicated and busy and kind of longing for a simpler time of the whiskey cocktail. But after thinking more about what people during those times would have been living through, I don't think they thought it was simple. I don't think they thought it was uncluttered and nostalgic. Right now, our country's going through a huge challenge, and but then they were they had wars, they had prohibition. They were probably looking towards growth and industrialization and technology improvements that would make life easier and better and longing for, for the day that in the future 
that those things would come about and um, here we are. We have so many things designed to make our lives easier, but somehow we manage to complicate things anyway. We have so many things today that make our lives easier. So I don't know. I don't know that I should end this with a toast to nostalgia, a toast to wishing things back to the way they were. So let's just end it like this. Gather your ingredients for a whiskey cocktail. Invite over a friend or a family member that you'd like to spend more time with. Make two drinks. Sit down around your campfire. Have a seat in a cozy spot. Or find a beautiful bar or restaurant where you can share a drink together. And live in the moment. Not longing for the future. Not longing for the past. Just longing for more time with each other. So, happy Old Fashioned Friday. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for following along with this episode of Old Fashioned Friday. I'm Leah, and it would mean so much to me if you joined me next time. Until then, I want to toast to three simple things. Stories shared around the table, well-crafted cocktails, and friendships as strong as our whiskey.